listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Morning, family. How are you? Man, this is this is better than I thought it was going to be. I'm honest. It's going to work out pretty good. First service was great. And you can actually see the people on stage, which is nice. I mean, it's nice when the worship team's up here. When I'm up here, you're like, you know that dim light wasn't so bad. I know how you guys are. <laughs> Somebody's going to come up to me after service and go, oh, we don't think that, but you won't mean that. <laughs> She's just trying to make me feel better. Hey, uh, we've been in this series called Shaping Faith, and um, we were talking about in the first few weeks kind of the internal spiritual development. How do we get spiritually fit? And then... Um, we switched gears a few weeks ago to talk about healthy community. What does healthy community look like? And we initiated that with a conversation on ownership in relationship. And then last week, Thad tackled the nice light topic of forgiveness, which is a hard one to cover because no matter how hard you try to do it well, somebody takes what you've said. and Because forgiveness is one of those just super emotionally charged issues. It is. Uh, and I get that, but... Um, It's one of those things that as believers, we have to work through. We have to work through it. We don't have a choice. It's it's a part of our mission to be good at forgiveness. And so we talked about that. Today, what we're going to talk about is boundaries. And this is an interesting conversation in the Christian culture because we have these beliefs that that we're supposed to build our lives around self-sacrifice and kind of you know, letting go of our own needs to take care of the interests of others, you know, verse like, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So you got to consider others better than yourself. And if you don't, you're not like Jesus. That, that, that makes it really hard to set good boundaries in our life. And what can happen is we can start to get really messed up in what it means to have good relational boundaries. Here's what I'm going to tell you. There's all kinds of different boundaries that you make in your life. There's mental boundaries. There's physical boundaries. There's spiritual boundaries. There's emotional boundaries. All these things are about what we're going to allow in our life and what we're going to keep out of our life. And I want to propose the idea that... um, Boundaries are not only good for us, they're necessary for us. And if you don't have good boundaries in your life, you're not a good friend. You're not a good partner in life at any level for anybody if you don't have good boundaries in your life. And so we're going to talk about that. And um, I want to begin with this question, why are boundaries so important? So we have this article, my wife actually found it this last week and and sent it to us. and, And this is a little excerpt from it. It's really good. Let's read it. Why are boundaries so important? Personal boundaries are what defines your identity. They're like the property lines around a home. This is my property, and that's not my property. This is me, what I value, what I'm good at, believe, need, or feel. And that is not me. To know yourself and to be secure that you're loved is essential to all relationships and activities. Let me tell you what he means by that. What he means by that is the more secure you are in your own sense of self, your own boundaries about what you believe, the better you can be a friend to other people. Like you don't, you don't become a good friend by giving up your values to be a part of their program. That's, that's actually not a good friend. Let's keep reading. The better your boundaries of self-awareness and self-definition are, the greater your capacity to offer empathy and love to others. 
Good boundaries help you care for others because they have a stable foundation to operate from and are not distracted or depleted by personal insecurities or blind spots. The better boundaries you have in your life, the better you can be in relationships at every level, whether that's just friends or um, dating relationships or marriage, your parent-child, both directions, co-workers, boss, employee, employee, boss, whatever your relationships are in your life, the better your sense of boundaries are, the better friend you can be in that relationship. That's why they're so important. And what we see about boundaries from the get-go is that God is in the process of setting boundaries. That's the, the Genesis 1 through 3 in the creation narrative. What's happening there is we see God saying, this is how things are supposed to function. And there's all kinds of examples of it. There's like um, trees, fruit trees only produce fruit like it's supposed to produce fruit. So an apple tree will only produce apples. You'll never see an apple tree go, surprise, bananas. Like that will never, whoa, I didn't see that coming. That will never happen, right? Everything bears according to its kind. This is a boundary that God puts in place. So fish produce fish and cows produce cows and duckbill platypus produce duckbill platypus. Like they're whatever it is, it only produces according to its kind. This is a boundary that God created for how the world is supposed to function. God created um, boundaries for the waters. He separated the waters above and the waters below, and he said that the waters are going to come this far and no further, right? So he put a boundary. What happens when the ocean doesn't obey its boundaries? It's destruction, right? What happens when you don't obey your boundaries? Same thing. Boundaries are a part of the created order. And if we don't understand that and grapple with that well, we're going to really set ourselves up for some bad things in our life. If we want to function well in relationship, boundaries are a part of it. Now, we want those boundaries to be healthy, but it's important for us to have those. There's an interesting passage um, in the book of Job, uh, in chapter 38. Job is going through all this stuff, and he starts to complain to God. And at the beginning of chapter 38, it says that um, God answers him out of a whirlwind and says, brace yourself like a man. You do not want to ever hear that statement from God, right? Like that's not, you, you know you're in trouble when God says, hey, brace yourself like a man. You've been asking me all these questions. He goes, I'm going to ask you some questions and you answer me, Job. You're so smart. So here's an excerpt out of what God says. Let's read it. It says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Or where, on what were its footings set? Or where, who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness. What you can see here is the created order of God setting boundaries for how things are supposed to function. When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place. When I said, this far you may come and no further, here is where your proud waves halt. Who set those boundaries in place? Does God have a problem with boundaries? No, he doesn't. Boundaries are critical in every facet of life, whether that's creation or relationships, 
whether that's just personally how I live out my life, boundaries are absolutely essential. What happens when you have a child that doesn't have any boundaries? And I know that there are people who have a parenting philosophy of like, you know, I just kind of want to let him discover his own way. No. (laughs) You are setting that child up to fail. And you're creating damage. Boundaries evoke security. Because I know the waves go this far and no further, right? Some of you guys are like, I know kids without boundaries. I've been to junior high. Like that's, it's hard, you know, it's one of those hard things about that, that stage of life, right? They, they literally mentally have the capacity to adopt and, and reject whole worldviews multiple times in a day. It's just kind of where they're at. And so their boundaries are really hard and, uh, to hold on to because they're very fluid. And that's hard, but boundaries, having loving people around them to reinforce those boundaries is the key to success in navigating middle school. They're vermin, but they're important. They're important vermin. (laughs) They're important vermin. All right. I just made that up. Uh, You guys get the bonus material. First, First service didn't get that. But it's important for us to understand that boundaries are essential. Like they're essential in every part of our life. If you try to live a life where you're like, man, I just want to float around and just kind of blend in and agree with everybody. Like I'm, I'm just good at kind of morphing into whatever group I'm a part of. No, you're, you're a terrible friend. That's, that's the truth. If you don't have good boundaries in your life, you're not a good friend. Now that doesn't mean that we get to be a jerk about our boundaries right? We don't get to be a jerk about our boundaries, but because part of our boundary, just as a follower of Jesus is love and compassion, right? So we have this boundary of, I'm going to treat everybody with love and compassion and grace, and yet I'm going to have to hold to what I value in this world. And so the question that we have to wrestle with with boundaries is, because what a lot of people will do is go, well, if you don't agree with me, then my boundary is I can't talk to you. Well, that's not very Jesus-y. Right? Like, think about this. If Jesus had had that boundary in his life, who would he have talked to? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, at some point, you got to be able to have a loving, compassionate, graceful conversation with people who think and act differently than you do. And that's the tension that we live in as followers of Jesus. So the question that we have to wrestle with is, where do our values come from? And, and then where do, how do those get played out in our boundaries, okay? So I want to look at kind of God's really first list of boundaries and and take a look at it and work through Exodus chapter 20, which is the Ten Commandments. And this is God meeting his people really for the first time for them and uh, for the people, not for him, but for the people, and them trying to figure out like who is he and what's he like and how do I live out being a representative of him in the world, okay? So this is Exodus chapter 20. Let's read it. It says, and God spoke all these words, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So that's boundary one. Why? Because we serve a God that will not share his glory. He will get all of it or none of it. So we have a value that we're not going to, if you think about God marries his people at Sinai. It's a beautiful wedding ceremony. Um, for those of you that are coming to Israel, I got a big conversation about that coming. Um, but God marries his people at Sinai, right? 
And what God is saying is you're not going to have any husbands before me. If you think about the Ten Commandments like a marriage contract, it's a really interesting way to understand it. Okay? You're not going to have any husbands besides me. I'm not going to share you. And you can go, well, he's, that's selfish. Huh. He's awfully full of himself. Right? Which raises a question, who else would he be full of? He's He's God. Uh, you shall have no other gods before me. Let's keep reading. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. So I don't want you to even have any pictures of other women. Right? Think about this as a, as a marriage contract. You're not going to, I don't want you to have any other spouses. I don't want you to have any, even any pictures of them in your house. I know that some, some men... It, let, let me rephrase that. Some boys who are married will say, hey, you know what? It's not wrong to look at the menu. I just can't eat the food. According to God, it is wrong. Knock it off. Be a man. That's a boundary. Not even any other pictures. A form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, which is not a great translation of that word jealous because it's got all kinds of negative stuff attached to it in our world. If you think about um, the, the, a better tra- a rendering of it would be extremely zealous or like fiercely loyal. That would be the idea of what we're talking about here, that God is a fiercely loyal God. And that, that value puts a boundary on who we interact with and how, Okay. Punishing the sins of the father, the children, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, here, let's be honest about this. We don't like a God who says that. But he said it. We got to wrestle with that, right? Like, because that's going to play out, right? But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male or your female servant nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Question, was God tired? No. So why did he rest? As an example for us. And because God values rest, we should value rest. And that should put a boundary on it. Now, the problem with that is we can take that boundary and be way too rigid with it. Well, I'm, I'm on my rest day and your friend goes in the hospital. Well, I'm sorry. It's my Sabbath. I can't, I can't drive. Right? And, and I would say this. I know that for most of us, for most of us in here, you're, for, for a few of you, you're like, why is that a problem? I'll just see them the next day. No, no, no. They need you to go. Um, people are more important than Sabbath, Right? Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's what Jesus said. But 
it's important for us to recognize that rest is important, but it doesn't transcend the importance of relationships, right? For some of us, we've been, we would be so rigid with that that we would be unwilling to bend on it. And so the question is, how do we play out our values? Well, a lot of that comes from how we prioritize these values. Is it important for us to rest? Like God modeled it. Why did God model that? Because God is El Shaddai. He's the God who knows when to say enough. And so he knows when to quit. God was creating and then he was done creating because it was enough. It was good enough. So for those of us that have a value of doing everything perfectly, we really wrestle with this thing, right? Because we don't know when to say enough. And that, and that value that is being fed in that is I need people to validate that I'm good enough. And so it drives perfectionism. And so we don't know, we can't ever turn anything in on time because we're never done, right? It's never enough, right? That's a terrible value. It's exhausting, right? We have a God that from the very beginning of Scripture says you've got to know when to say enough. Think about the statue of David. If the sculptor just kept tinking with it and chipping little things off, what would it become? Like eventually it's a stone toothpick, right? Well, that doesn't look like David, right? You've got to know when to say enough. And so God models that for us. Let's keep reading. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. That's important. You shall not murder. Why? I mean, what's the problem? Some people deserve it. It's like, well, am I allowed to laugh at that? Uh, you can laugh, but in my perspective, some people do deserve it, right? Some people deserve it, but if you can't murder. Why? Because the value that we have is that we represent our God to the world, right? He's our, he's, we're married to him as a, as a people. We're married to him. We put him on display to the world. And that God is life. So I can't murder, because if I do, I don't represent him properly. Now, let me say this. That ought to really matter when we start talking about life and what we do with life and when life begins. Right? Just because the world wants to believe that it's convenient for us to do certain things with when life begins and when it doesn't, we've got to understand that God gets to define the moment of life. And because of that, our job is to represent that well with the boundaries of how we choose to live. Can't murder. Don't commit adultery. Seems pretty straightforward, right? Why? Why can't I commit adultery? Why not? Here's why. Because God is love. See, these commands that God gives us, these boundaries that we put in our life, they're not just about God controlling us and making us do certain things and not do certain things. They're a revelation of his nature. So as we live within his boundaries, we begin to understand who he is and what he's like. That's why you need to hold those standards for your kids so that they can know who God is. You shall not steal. Why? Why not steal? If you have something that I want, why not take it? Well, here's why. Because God is generous. And if we serve a generous God, 
then how in the world could we ever feel good about taking? Because we're, we're doing the exact opposite of what our God's like. Let's look at another one. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Don't lie. Why? It's a problem. Because well, God is truth. Do you understand how this works? These boundaries that are put in our life are rooted in values that are driven by the nature of God. So what we have to do as Christians is to really fight, ratchet down and understand a good, solid, biblical value system so that we can put really good, healthy boundaries in our life. It's just a, it's, it's who we are, okay? Last one, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Or his male, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, especially not his donkey. Do not do that. Or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Why couldn't you just have led with that statement? Like anything. Don't covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. None of it. Why didn't he just lead with that? Here's the problem. Coveting is me saying, not that I want your things, coveting is me saying, I want your life. And what that means is, I am dissatisfied with the life that God has given me. And that's the problem. Do you understand how the value plays out the decision and how we express? Our boundaries come from our values, which are rooted in the nature of God. So if we're going to have good, healthy boundaries, we have to understand the nature of God. And I would go back to what we talked about at the beginning with this tension of love and grace and compassion and yet still standing in our convictions. See, what we value in the American culture is the need to be right. And so what we do is we hold biblical convictions, but we fight like the devil for the things of God because we need to be right before we're godly. And so we try to prove to everyone that we're, you don't have to prove to anybody that you're right or wrong. You have to stand in your convictions, live in your, in your boundaries, and show love and grace and compassion to the people around you. You can do it. It's not a compromise. And you don't even have to try to tell them all the places that they're wrong. And just because you have an idea doesn't make it so. This is, I have an idea about what God's like. So? I got in the funniest conversation on Facebook yesterday. <laughs> it was uh, somebody posted, Did, can anyone give me one scripture where Jesus took up an offering? And the, you know, the underlying current was because I don't think churches should. And I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Every once in a while, I feel some kind of way and I just throw it. And it never goes right. I shouldn't have done it. But I was like, well, the problem with that is Jesus could catch fish with coins in their mouth. So there's that. <laughs> um, but he had women following him around that were supporting his ministry. And in the rabbinic world, these women saw it as their moral obligation to do this. If they were going to benefit from his teaching, they were morally obligated to support his ministry. They would never consider taking from someone without getting, giving something back. And she's like, well, I'm sure God laid that on their heart. Nope. 
God didn't lay it on their heart. They were morally obligated to do it whether they felt like doing it or not. Well, I just can't believe Jesus would do that. Oh, well, so just because you have a good idea doesn't make it a good one, right? That, that's the problem. So what I want to do is I want to give you eight myths about boundaries. We're going to move through them really quickly, but I want to give you eight myths about boundaries that um, keep us from actually setting boundaries in our life, and this is pretty, it can be pretty destructive. Number one, if I set boundaries, I'm being selfish. False. If you set boundaries, you're actually being a better friend. If you set boundaries, you're actually being, you're, you're helping people understand who I am and what my expectations of you are, and that's a way safer place for me to engage you in a friendship. Because I know what you want from me, and I know what uh, your expectations of yourself are. And that's important. Okay? Number two, the reason I have boundaries is because I'm in trouble. Nope. You have boundaries to protect you from trouble. You have boundaries to protect you from trouble. Number three. If I begin setting boundaries, I'll be hurt by others. False. <laughs> if you don't set boundaries, you'll be hurt by others. If I set boundaries, I'll hurt others. You'll hurt others even if you don't set boundaries. Right? Like, we, in relationships, we hurt people sometimes. And we, be, and we get hurt by people sometimes. That's why forgiveness last week is so important. Because we don't always function purely and, and sometimes we do things and it gets misinterpreted or sometimes we do things and we meant to zing them, you know? Um, and, and it did and it hurt their feeler. And so we got to work that through. But boundaries aren't the problem in that. Boundaries. Aren't the, by the way, this list is taken from the book Boundaries, creative name by uh, Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Uh, number five, boundaries mean that I'm angry. Nope. Actually, good, healthy boundaries prevent you from getting angry. You, you, don't, get, you don't have to be angry when you, you're like, I don't, I'm not doing that. Will you get a problem? No, I, just, I don't want to do it. Will you, will you think you're holier than that? No. No, I just have, I don't want to do it. It's, I've made a decision that I'm not going to. Well, who are you? You think, do, do, do. That's how it happens, right? They're the ones that get all huffy and then go, well, what are you, why are you so angry all the time? I'm not angry. I'm, a, I'm not going to do that thing that you want me to do. Do you want to run around the track again? Because like, we have these conversations with people, right? Number six, when others set boundaries, it injures me. No, no. When others set boundaries, it helps you understand who they are and what they expect out of life. That should be a secure place for you even if it's a boundary that radically disagrees with your perspective. We should never be mad at somebody who sets a clear boundary. Okay? Number seven, boundaries cause feelings of guilt. That is false. Guilt causes feelings of guilt. Boundaries actually help people feel secure. That's the way it is. Number eight, boundaries are permanent and I'm afraid of burning my bridges. No, they're not. Let, let me say this. Biblical values are permanent. How that value gets expressed and what that boundary looks like can be nuanced, right? So like there's certain places where it's safe to do certain things and, in, and then in other places it isn't, right? Like, for example, if you have a boundary where um, 
you know, it's okay for you to watch rated R movies, but you don't want to do that in public because you don't want to cause anyone to sin. Then maybe in your home, it's okay to watch rated R movies, but you wouldn't go to the theater and watch it because you, who might see you there, right? Or if you have a value, a, a belief that it's okay to consume alcohol, but you don't want to do that in public because you want to be an example in public, but it's okay for you to do it in your home. The value is protecting the reputation of God in that, but how that boundary gets expressed changes place to place. Do you see how that makes sense? So the boundaries aren't rigid. The biblical values are permanent. The boundaries are the, um, yeah, the biblical values are permanent. The boundaries can sh- take shape how we express it. Boundaries are important. Uh, they're the thing that, allows us to be able to function well in life. They bring security to our relationships. And you cannot have healthy relationship without good boundaries. If you're living a life without solid boundaries at this point, you are functioning as a cancer in the relationships of your life. I, I, that's, the only, that's the only way to understand it. And so it's really important for us to understand that we've got to get a good biblical value system so that we can have proper boundaries in our life so that we can bring wholeness to our own heart and to the hearts of the people around us. And so with that in mind, we're going to move towards the Lord's table. Uh, we take communion every week. And if you're new with us, we have an open table. So anybody that's willing to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us is invited to partake. But we want you to hold the elements till the end. And we'll take them all together. This went pretty smoothly last service. Let's see how it goes this service. <laughs> this is a new adventure, how we're doing communion today. Um, while they're passing that out, I want to uh, work through our group questions for the week. Maybe some, some thoughts for us as we consider what to do with our home groups. Uh, so for you home group leaders, pay attention to this. If you're, if you're one of those people that's just in rebellion to the system, and you're like, I refuse to get into a home group. That's my boundary. Um, then wherever you have your spiritual conversations, maybe these would be some good questions to be talking about um, during the week. Question number one, evaluate the boundaries in your life, physical, mental, and spiritual. What changes should you make? Like where, this is a good thought, where, thank you. Get back up. See, that's a boundary. I should have had you lift it higher. It's not a good boundary on my part. I'm learning, I'm growing. What are, when you think about the boundaries then in your life, where are the boundaries where you've bought into culture? Like, I'll give you one. If my favorite team's playing on TV, it's okay to miss church. That is not a good boundary. You know why? Because our spiritual energy leaks really quickly. We need every opportunity that we can to engage God and his people. And I know that you're like, well, I'm not going to hell if I'm missing church. That's true, but if that was your goal, then you're missing the whole beauty of Christianity. What about acting like a Christian? Okay, so death is fine. What about acting like a Christian? Like, there's this, like, we need opportunities to be here, right? We need opportunities to engage God's people. What, what are the physical, mental, and spiritual boundaries that you need to change? What are they? Uh, number two, what's the easiest boundary for you to keep and what is the hardest? 
Maybe the easiest boundary for you to keep is something like, I will not get up before 5 a.m. I will not. Some people don't know that five comes twice in a day. Uh, they don't. Um, like God is not awake at 5 a.m. I'm not getting up at five. Maybe that's your easy boundary. Maybe your hard boundary is, uh, I'm not going to speak angrily to anyone. Maybe that. Um, and that's a harder one. I'm not going to speak angrily to my spouse. Because if God is a God of love, then I have to represent him in a loving way, even when my spouse doesn't. Right? What we do with marriages often is we justify our own poor actions because they did it, therefore I have the right. That's not a good boundary. Right? Maybe that's the hardest. Whatever it is, whatever your hardest boundary is. Third question. How can we show love through how we implement boundaries? The tension of holding to our convictions and yet still being full of grace and compassion. How do we do that well Um, in the world, in the real world where we live, like in the workplace? How do we do that well for you students at school where there are times where you get into environments that feel hostile towards Christians? Like, how do we deal with that? What do we do? Communion is this opportunity to show us that the boundary in our life is putting God on display well, even if, even if, and in the right circumstances, this may be an if, if it costs us our life. It's not a, we don't leverage God to pad and protect and build a nice empire, a nice world in our life. We put our God on display by representing him in all of his fullness. This reminds us that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you, so whenever you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. And then after the dinner, he took a cup and he said, this, this is the blood of the covenant which is shed for you. So whenever you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. God, thank you for permission to set boundaries in our life so that we can, uh, first of all, focus on you and understand you more and so that we can build healthy, um, just healthy lives of that are whole. God, give us the courage to know when to say enough and to know when we're being too rigid. Uh, God, through your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts about that tension and how we live in it well. In your name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, if you enjoyed this message, make sure you check out the new podcast from our lead pastor, Aaron Couch, called A Better Conversation. Search for it on our website, iTunes, and the Google Play Store.